0: Good to see everyone this afternoon. Uh, most of you, I'm seeing you for the second time. If it's the first, hello, and hello again. Um, just so happy to be here amongst God's people and to be encouraged and admonished and be built up by you and be influenced by you positively and, and just excited and, and just filled with love and, and passion by seeing you all. And, and so so grateful for you all to be here to discuss God and God's things and to be to lifted up in the direction of heaven. What I'd like to do is I'd like to begin the lesson by opening up our Bibles to Zephaniah chapter 1. Zephaniah chapter 1 verses 12 through 13. When Joshua actually showed me this verse the first time, he said, When's the last time you heard a sermon from Zephaniah? And I thought, I'll give it a shot. And so here we are. Um, And furthermore, this actual lesson as a preface was kind of built off many of the thoughts that were already delivered in the downstairs Bible class to the, uh, to the high schoolers. So if you've already heard the modified version of this lesson or the, the variant of this lesson, please give me your careful attention as I believe these thoughts are paramount and it, it will never hurt to be reminded of these things that we will discuss here in the Word of God. And again, we'll be looking in Zephaniah chapter 1 in just a moment, but before we do that, I would like to discuss with you this story the headline reads like this, apathy at stabbing of Queens woman shocks inspector. I'm going to highlight that word apathy. This story is the story of Kitty Genovese, which though the actual historical facts have been up for dispute and whatnot, the story kind of goes like this. There was the woman, Kitty Genovese, who was outside her apartment complex and she was getting ready to head home and she was stalked and stabbed by an an attacker wielding a knife. Now, the first time that this happened, a few people noticed, but they assumed that one of the other people that saw would contact the police. So no one did. So then Kitty continues and she fights off the attacker and she runs and she runs and she makes it about a couple blocks before she's stabbed again as he chases her down. And yet again, more people notice and hear and look out their windows and see this occurring. And they assume, well, someone else will contact the authority. Someone else will call the police about this. And no one does. And so this process continues until, up, I believe it is upward of 37 people see this incident, allegedly, give or take a few, and none reported it. And why, why is this? What is the problem here? Why did no one do it? It's because they assumed that someone else would handle it. They assumed that someone else would step up. And more deeply, what is the deeper problem here? Well, apathy, just as is in the title. Impartiality. Lack of concern or care. Lack of effort. Disregard. Indifference. And that is what we're going to be discussing tonight is this concept of indifference and more specifically, spiritual indifference. But before we get on to that, a few illustrations. Here we have this, the, just the picture of oh this, this old lady fell on the street. Well, look at, look at the crowd. No one responds. And, and what do we think of these people that kind of just see this occur and just pass by without a second thought? Well, we think these people ought to be pretty rotten, you know, just walking by, assuming someone else will help. What if, what if this, this man who's, you know, he's on the job and he's kind of just half-heartedly just, Ugh, but it given a, a, a lackluster effort to his job and his career and his contribution to society. Well, we think well, that guy's lazy, bad character here. We see this, this, this. Obviously played out scene to which most of us I assume can relate where one partner is just kind of like off in law land While the other is clearly upset And what do we think of this guy who's not paying attention to a significant other or the woman who is we think Get it together pay attention to your spouse or your significant other and love them And we notice that there is this this disregard and this lack of concern and this lack of care That is is such a problem and this isn't a worldly example, but we can, we can see that this could definitely be a spiritual problem as well. Can we be indifferent to the Lord? And furthermore, is the Lord indifferent to us? As we read in Zephaniah chapter 1, in verses 12 through 13, then we can see the answer to that question. Is, is the Lord indifferent, and do, do people feel like this? Are there people in the world who believe that, They can just do nothing and they believe that they can just rest on their laurels and they can be indifferent to God. What's his attitude toward that? At that time, I will search Jerusalem with lamps and I will punish the men who are complacent. Those who say in their hearts, the Lord will not do good or do ill. Their goods shall be plundered and their house laid waste. Though they build houses, they shall not inhabit them. Though they plant vineyards, they shall not drink from them. So here we have a a group of people, God's people, who are sitting on their laurels, who are just waiting for something to happen. But they're taking no action, believing that the Lord will do good, no good, or no ill. They believe that God isn't going to take any kind of action. God isn't going to do anything. So why should we? And this is an example of a lack of faith in God. So we have to ask the question just as they did. Will the Lord do nothing? Is it so that God is some kind of watchmaker that designed the watch and left it on the table to tick away? Or does God act in the world? And should we respond to that action? Does God care about us? And if that's so, then how much should we care about him? And how much love should we have for him in response? This problem of indifference, of even asking the question, will the Lord do nothing? To see what you can get away with without the Lord responding, without the Lord chastening, without the Lord's judgment. This is a clear sign of a weak and frail faith. The kind of attitude that's played out here in asking the question, will the Lord do nothing? And there's, there are groups who ask this kind of question. If we look in Revelation chapter 3 and we turn to Revelation chapter 3, we'll, we, we, we'll know, is this a sin? Is this a problem to have this kind of attitude? We look at a group here and ask, what does this look like? What does the, the problem of spiritual indifference look like? Revelation chapter 3 starting in verse 15 and down to verse 19. I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may be rich and white garments so that you may clothe yourself and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen and salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. Those whom I love I reprove and discipline so be zealous and repent the lord says This kind of attitude is something you need to repent of and it is certainly a sin and it is an egregious sin that makes the lord sick And so we ask that question, what does it look like? What does the sin of spiritual indifference look like? Of course, there's no one here Who out in the foyer when we're talking and discussing spiritual things will say I don't think god's up to much I don't think God's done much in my life. I don't think the Lord's really going to do anything. I don't think Judgment Day could come now. I I think that's something that's just going to happen at my convenience. None of us are going to say that. But I fear and I believe that all of us and even myself have been guilty before of casting aside the necessary and due zeal of hastening the day of Christ's return in our actions. And, And in this group we see that they're neither cold nor hot. And so what does that mean? That means that they're not stirred up. They're not concerned. They're not, their minds are not fixed on spiritual things at all. They're going through life with this apathetic attitude toward everything with no purpose and no direction. They're not, in their own minds, they're not happy to be a person of God. They're not sad about it. They're just, Eh? Just kind of just waking up, going through the motions, doing things in a rote, routine kind of way. And, and, and the question is, why? Why were they lukewarm? Why did they have this attitude? Well, we just read there that it was because they, they said that they have need of nothing. They felt as though that everything was provided for them. And how much of a problem can this be for us? Especially in this just bountifully blessed country. This bountifully blessed congregation. And and just in our own individual lives, blessed so heavily. I can't remember the last time that I went hungry. I can't remember the last time that I didn't have a bed to sleep in. And I can't remember the last time that if I wanted to reach out to a brother or sister in Christ, that they were there for me. I I can't remember those times. And so I can't settle in and get comfortable with where I'm at and become lukewarm. Because Christ told them. What did he tell them to do? He told them if you're becoming lukewarm Then you must be zealous and repent And why is that because this kind of behavior it made him sick It turned his stomach. It made him want to vomit them out of his mouth So that they could not abide in him any longer so we can say without a doubt that spiritual indifference Is an egregious sin, you know, we don't think of it that way We think of the big sins and we think of murder. We think of sexual immorality adultery we think of drug addiction we think of these cretins we think of these just people we wouldn't touch with a 10-foot pole and we're like those people out there but when we look inwardly and we see indifference do we have the same reaction as if we saw a drug addiction bubbling up or if we had adulterous thoughts bubbling up within us where is our where is our spiritual barometer when it comes to indifference does it Does it shake us when we feel that indifference coming on? When we feel like we're getting set in a rote routine? That's the question. And that's what we're going to be examining tonight is what are the consequences of indifference? And what is the weight of indifference? And then further, how are we going to overcome that? And to begin, we're going to talk about just the fact that indifference disgusts God. Just as we just read in Revelation chapter 3 and verse 16. He said, I will vomit you from my mouth. Discuss God, discuss Christ. Why? Because, let's look here in uh, James chapter 1 and verse 17, and it'll become blatantly obvious. The because of why it discussed God. James chapter 1 and verse 17. You know, again, we think of all these big sins, and we think, oh yeah, that's disgusting. But what about indifference? What about a brother or sister that doesn't get fired up for Christ? Let's look here in James chapter one, verse 17, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above coming down from the father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. God is good all the time as the cliche goes and all the time. God is good. And God has given us everything that is good. We have literally every single provision that We've been given that edifies us and that nourishes us and that builds us up and that brings us peace and that brings us comfort That comes from where that comes from the lord and so You almost think of a the attitude of like a bratty kid to their parent Of just yeah, whatever dad kind of attitude that no one looks upon that fondly because you know, obviously But I I used to get in arguments with my uncle all the time. He helped to raise me. And he, he was kind of the breadwinner of the family. And what he would say to me is he would be like, well, where'd you get this bed? Well, where'd you get this roof? All this food in the kitchen. Where did it come from? And it would just kind of shut me up every time because I knew that it came from him. And further, that came from God. And everything that we have, it comes from God that's good. And so that means that For us to have that attitude of, whatever, yeah, no big deal. Yeah, I I mean, sure, I have this car, this this literal, I have this chunk of metal that can go 100 miles per hour down this blacktop that's paid for me to give me an easy passageway through life. I have these lights, these... I mean, think about the intricacy of all the blessings that we have and all that God has done for us. I could just go on and on. And to think that we could have an attitude of just ingratitude and just disrespect to that of course it's going to disgust the lord god has done what has god done for us god has done everything for us plain and simple he has done everything that we could possibly ask of him and more secondly spiritual indifference discourages and potentially weakens the brethren that are around you Galatians chapter 5 and verse 9, we know that passage maybe by heart. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 9 says a little leaven leavens the whole lump. And that a little yeast causes the whole batch to be corrupted. And so that concept of a bad apple spoils the whole bunch. It is certainly true and possible. Just as we can encourage each other and stir each other up to good works and to zeal and be good influences in that way we can discourage one another we need to get out of our own head and our own world and realize this that around us is an entire congregation and even further than that is an entire just universal church to which we are a member of and we must know that that we are the are parts individually of the body of Christ endowed with different gifts to use to raise up The brethren, and to edify them, and to consider them as more important than ourselves. Not to simply stand in the foyer with a rote, hey, how are you? When I I ask, how are you to my brother or sister, there's nothing wrong with that. But if I'm just doing it out of habit, and I don't care how they're doing, and I don't want to hear how they are, it's not worth anything. If I don't want to invest in my brothers and sisters, I'm indifferent. And so I asked that question, we, we talk about Hebrews ten twenty five. you don't need to turn there, but that's the, the, the verse there about forsaking the assembling of the saints. Well, wh- why did God make this a congregational religion in the first place? Because Brother Josh prayed about this. We, God's design was so that we could come together and build each other up, and we need to be thankful for that. Thankful that we can influence each other positively, and not take that for granted, and be a discouragement to all the brethren around us moving on thirdly now what we do is if we're indifferent is we leave god's house unkempt in first timothy chapter 3 and verse 14 through 15 we don't have to read that but that is essentially telling us that if we're in the church that we're in the household of god how do you think god feels when he looks at i, I believe the PowerPoint might have messed up yeah how do you think god feels when he looks at his household and sees things are out of order you know, if, if you're a kid and your parents come home and they see everything's all disheveled, how do they feel? You can see it on their face. They're walking around. They're trying to figure out how they're going to word this to you without being too harsh, hopefully. Or they're just straight up coming in and going off. If you're a parent and you come in and you see your children have done nothing you have asked of them. They haven't done anything bad, but they've just done nothing good. Well, then how do you feel? How do you think the Lord feels? When he looks at his house and he sees there's dishes in the sink and he sees that there's laundry all over the floor and he sees that there's counters that need to be wiped off and nothing's been done. All these things that could have been done were left completely undone. How do you think the Lord feels about that? We talked about it earlier. It disgusts him. Now, what else? It leaves the people, not just... The, the household of God, but just the people that need you in general neglected. Acts chapter 20 and verse 35. If you can turn there, please. Acts chapter 20 and verse 35. Again, like the household of God, that's very important. We need to keep that kept. But there's people as well in and out of the world that, that need attention. And, and that we need to talk about that as well. Acts chapter 20 and verse 35. In all things, I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak And remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Indifference, it leaves the needy in need. It causes us to turn our back on those in physical need. In the beginning of this lesson, we kind of talked about Kitty Genovese and the story of how she was stalked and brutally stabbed again and again to no aid of anyone else. We saw those examples of the guy who's slacking on the job, the relationship where the guy's not paying attention, and we saw the, the granny that had fallen, and those those very materialistic things that were just going unnoticed. And that's what we do when we're spiritually indifferent. We don't notice or have compassion for other people that are in physical need, those that are hungry, those that are on their last legs financially. Those that are struggling through life that don't have all the good physical blessings and cushy luxuries that all of us might have Secondly, it may be that we pay attention to those physical needs But that those emotional needs that people have that those go unnoticed due to our indifference That we don't see the sorrow and the pain that people are going through and that we don't realize that just like us every single person has their own individual struggle of life and their own battle. And their own good fight of faith going on. And there, and that comes with that emotional need and turmoil. But finally, we're going to just completely neglect those that are in spiritual need. And those that are, are truly struggling. And it is my fear that we have let some things slip through the cracks in this manner as well. And that we have, have missed clear signs of problems and we have acted too slow and too late too many a time with this aspect and i'm guilty of this as well and that there are those out in the world not just within here and within these walls but those out in the world that need the gospel and what do we do we pass by them every day we pass by them every day and we do not say a word We stand in line next to them in the grocery stores and we don't say a word. We see them at work and we don't say a word about the gospel. If you're a student, you see them at school and you don't say a word. You instead sit with all these water cooler talk about the game and about how's the dog doing? I hope your dog's okay. And all that useless conversation with no intention to ever progress to an evangelistic effort. There are those out there in spiritual need. And we cannot be indifferent to that, brothers and sisters. Finally, the consequence of spiritual indifference is that it causes us ultimately to lose our soul. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 12 through 13. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 12 through 13. Therefore, my beloved as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for His good pleasure. Fear and trembling. Fear and trembling is not indifferent. Fear and trembling is not... Fear and trembling... Is I'm going. I'm fighting tooth and nail for survival. You think about this kind of fear and trembling. Likely, no one in this congregation has experienced true fear and true trembling like the members of the of the New Testament church experienced in the first century. Worried that they'd be skinned alive, burned, or crucified for being a Christian. Worried that, that they were going to break. That one day they just would say, I can't do this anymore. i I don't want to die. I'm scared. That was the audience to which this epistle was written. And so we think about the kind of fear and trembling that we, that they experienced and we need to mentally go there and we need to get there and think of this. This is life or death. There may not be men knocking at the door right now that want to take our lives for being Christians. But there is a serpent slithering around at any given moment, waiting to snap his jaws around your ankle and pull you into the depths of hell. And that is reality. That is true. And there is nothing that we can do apart from being zealous and following after God's way that's going to deliver us from that fate. And so we have to be afraid and we have to be trembling in reverent fear for God. And so I ask this, the fear and trembling produces energy. Do you invest as much into eternity, as much energy as you would, say, into your phone, into your cell phone? Into your friends and their opinion of you? Into school or perhaps into a job and the upward mobility of that? Or your your various hobbies, your, you know, sports or, or some board game or knitting or whatever it is. Where do you invest your time? Are you fearful? Are you trembling? Do you put emphasis on the gospel? Or is it kind of on the back burner to all these other things? See, because we have to figure this out. We have to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. The question is, are you indifferent? Perhaps over the course of this lesson, you found that, yeah. Yeah. In some of these areas, I have been lukewarm. In some of these areas, I have been indifferent. The question is, so what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about that? Are you going to continue to sedate yourself with entertainment and just relax on your couch and talk to your buddies and pass the time away? Are you going to repent? Are you going to make an active effort to change? I'm going to tell you what you can do. You can do that. And we're going to talk now about ways that you can improve your spiritual life and ways that you can break out of this lukewarm, indifferent attitude of, "Will is God really going to do anything? Is it what's, what's, will the Lord do nothing? Will the Lord do good? Will the Lord do evil? Well, what should I do? We have to overcome indifference. And that means that we're going to have to love more. Turn with me in Matthew chapter 22. In Matthew chapter 22 and then in verse 36 through 40. Very, very famous scripture here. Matthew chapter 22 verse 36 through 40. So, teacher, what is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, that being Jesus, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. That is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Loving God. We talked about indifference. What does that look like? It's kind of this meh attitude. Well, loving God, what does that look like? Well, that in some ways lakeside exemplifies this in an amazing way shining way you look out in the foyer you see brothers and sisters smiling at each other investing in one another and just just enjoying each other's presence and that that's an example of loving god and loving god it looks like looking into his word and examining the scriptures and getting to know him more and deepening our relationship to him it means being steadfast in deeper prayer and to just go deeper into our relationship with god and and truly revere him as our father as our best friend and as our savior second the second command that was given there in matthew chapter 22 is that we should love other people and what does that look like well that means we're investing in other people that means we're giving ourselves to other people that means we're being servants that means we are bringing the gospel out that means we're doing good things things that god would have us to do and we're not just sitting on our heels So we're going to discuss some ways that we can do that be zealous in our love for god and our love for others in revelation chapter three we just looked in there revelation chapter three and we can go back revelation chapter three and then in verse 19 those whom i love i reprove and discipline so be zealous and repent be zealous well where do i get zeal can you ask you know i'm you know, I'm not, I'm not as boisterous as say a Josh McKibben or a Kane or or so brazen or extroverted or whatever. And so, how can I how can I be zealous? Well, zeal doesn't necessarily mean that you're loud like me. Okay, zeal is a deep love. Zeal is a passion that courses through you and urges every action that you take. And it is visible. It is visible, but in different ways. And so, you ask, where do I get this? The Word, God's Word. The more you invest, the more you read, the more you imply, the more you apply, you're going to become more zealous. The more you make yourself about the word, the more excited you're going to be to be in the word. Prayer. Brother Josh led a great prayer earlier. We've we've had a lot of great prayers recently. And I hope we can continue that because prayer builds us up. Prayer makes us stronger because we depend more on God through prayer. The brethren, as we turn more to the brethren... We see the love of Christ reflected in the faces of our brethren and in the actions of our brethren. And we see the word being lived out by others. And that causes to reflect back onto us. And we reflect back onto them in this feedback loop that just continues as we build each other up. And that's the beautiful design of God. And amen and thank you for that. Further, we must let Christ in. That's just in Revelation chapter 3 again down in the next verse, verse 20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. Christ, he, he's what lights the fire. He's what gives you that devotion and he's what gives you that zeal and that passion. When you look at Christ, you should see that. You should see the sacrifice that he made and the person that he was and be inspired to him as a great leader and want to salute to him and want to follow and follow in line in every step that he would make and regard him as your leader and your general and your king and everything and your all in all. And you must open yourself more and more to Christ. Letting Christ in is not as simple as getting in that baptistry. It's opening yourself up. It's becoming vulnerable. Losing yourself and gaining eternity. We must accept that truth by serving Christ more and more and more and more and never stop and never stop letting him in and never stop opening the door whenever he knocks and always let him in and always let him stay. And just let just encourage our relationship with our brethren and and with Christ and just increase it and bring it more and more forward in our lives. We got to let Christ in. We also have to give in 2nd Corinthians 8 verses 3 through 5. 2nd Corinthians 8 verse 3 through 5. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord, and then by the will of God, to us. These people were giving more than they had. They were giving of themselves. And we read about that in, in, in the letter to the Corinthians as well. 2 um, Corinthians 13. Charity never fails. Charity never fails. It's never going to let you down to give of yourself. To allow yourself to sacrifice. To make yourself a servant. of. But charity never fails. It will not let us down. And there's there's no way that you can go wrong as long as you're giving of yourself. And and I want to look at this word invest here. And we think about this in a business sense. Basically, invest means to devote one's time, effort, or energy to a particular undertaking with the expectation of a worthwhile result. This means I'm going to sacrifice now expecting more to come. Later. And that is what we ought to do. We ought to give. And we ought to give of our means. And, and invest in the brethren. And in those out in the world. And, to, and, most and for, first and foremost to God. To give ourselves away. And why? Because in the end. We'll be made complete for that. If we invest in the, breth- invest in the brethren. And in others. We'll be lifted up. If we humble ourselves. We'll be exalted. And then we should pray. Matthew chapter 7 and verse 7 through 8. Matthew chapter 7 and verse 7 through 8. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds and to the one who knocks it will be opened. If you're looking and you're seeking and you want what God has to offer, He makes it readily available to you. But it's a matter of how zealous you are to receive it or whether or not, you know, you kind of think about When you're working a a normal secular job or or an office job and and you've got got specific hours. And you kind of tell yourself like, man, I'd really like if someone could give up some hours so I could take some overtime. But then when the actual time comes for the overtime to appear on the schedule, you decide, ah, I don't know if I actually want that or not. Seems like a whole lot of work. That's kind of an attitude that we have to avoid when we're asking and when we're seeking and we're knocking. We have to do that diligently and with, with complete integrity. And we have to be congruent when we do that. You know what I mean when I say congruent? Everything has to line up. Our heart and our will and our mind has to match our actions. And so when we're asking for something like patience, when we're asking for something like opportunities to spread the gospel, when we're asking for, for, to be lifted up and to be edified, We know that that includes in patience that there's going to be tests that test our patience that cause us to to just groan. And we know that when we ask for opportunities for evangelism, that there's going to be people that we're going to have to sit down with again and again and again and discuss hard truths about the New Testament. We know that. And we know that as we just look and seek for more opportunities to be better Christians and to grow and be edified, that there will be challenges And so when you ask God to grow and to be admonished, do you mean that? Do you really want to be chastened by God? Do you really want that? Do you want to grow in Christ? If we want to come alive and burn brighter, God will give us what we need to do it. But that might not be what you want. It might not be comfy. It might not be cushy. It might be in the form of a challenge. It might be in the form of a rebuke. It might be in the form of a car broken down on the highway. It might be in the form of of just anything, any kind of challenge that you could possibly imagine. It might come in the form of tragedy, of disaster, of of just, there's so many trials it can be. It can certainly come in the form of blessings. It can come in the form of, of comfort, and it can come in the form of peace, and it can come in the form of a brother whose shoulder you can cry on, or a sister whose shoulder you can cry on. But, it may come... And it, you may not want it. And if you don't want it, you won't receive it. And that's what we study here. And the, so the question is, are you brave enough to ask for the indifference that is within your heart, be there any, that it be cleansed from you, and that it be ripped out from you, and that you have to face whatever challenges or receive whatever blessings necessary to be purified of that indifference? We must do away with our excuses. Matthew chapter 12 and verse 30. Matthew chapter 12 and verse 30. Jesus said in culmination. This is the definitive answer to the question. Will the Lord do nothing? Whoever is not with me is against me. And whoever does not gather with me scatters. If you are on the side of Christ. You're in big trouble. You will not enter into the kingdom of heaven. If you're sitting on the fence, even as a Christian, if you're resting on your laurels and you know that and you continue willfully doing nothing for God, you do not work on that. You do not grow in that. You're in trouble. If you've never even obeyed the gospel, you're in trouble for sure. It doesn't matter if we've had a really long day, week, month, whatever, and we're just waiting for the storm to kind of settle. It doesn't matter if you're tired tired. It doesn't matter if you're hungry. It does not matter if you've had trouble focusing in services. It doesn't matter if this guy next to you is just being really distracted and keeps coughing all the time, nudging you on the shoulder. Hey, buddy, listen to this. It does not matter. It doesn't matter if you have doubts within you. It does not matter if if you're afraid. It does not matter if you are indifferent. You have to get over that and you have to overcome your indifference. And why? Because Christ gave everything. And he deserves all love and all due respect and all honor and all glory and all praise for that. We've got to love the Lord. We've got to pay careful attention to our steps and to the worship of God. We have to be locked in. We have to be congruent with who we are and why we're here. We have to sing feverishly with the saints to God as we've done. And lift up not just our words and our mouth, but our hearts in praise to him. We have to pray on. We have to continue to pray and go deeper and deeper in prayer and make our, make our prayers more and more intimate and more and more vulnerable and depend more and more on God to lift us up and to give us the zeal that we need. And we have to be willing to pray for the things that are difficult at times. I don't know if I said this already, but we have to love the Lord. And so I cannot be emphasized enough. We have to love the Lord. And what does that mean? In John chapter 14 and verse 15, Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commands And so for the Christian, if you have not been keeping the Lord's commands, you have become lukewarm, you have become indifferent, and you feel as though maybe this this lesson has, has heavily applied to you in your own life in some areas. And you want the encouragement of the saints. And you want to be stirred up. And you want to be zealous. We talked about that. The brethren are here to reflect Christ's love to you and to be servants to you and to show you zeal and love for the Lord and for Christ. Furthermore, though, if you have never obeyed the gospel and if that is a result of indifference and if you've just kind of been sitting here like. I'm just waiting for this moment of passion or this this time where I'm finally going to break. You're going to be waiting for a long time. And that time may not come. The Lord, he could return any moment. You could be sitting here now doing everything you can to scrape and claw and run away from the truth. But the reality is that if you have not obeyed the gospel, you've not been baptized into Christ, and especially if that is a result of indifference after hearing this lesson, then you'll have no excuse on the day of judgment. But so what we do is we offer and we extend to you right now. I'm going to be standing right over here. It, It is already... We all stand ready to assist you in any way that we can as we stand and sing.